hard to find your IBS food triggers. Even when you've eliminated FODMAPs and identified a trigger during the reintroduction phase, it can be difficult to work out what that means for day-to-day -day life. Can you ever eat that food again? That's exactly what I'll cover in this episode of The Inside Knowledge. This episode is part of a mini-series where I cover each of the FODMAPs in turn, so you can either listen to them all or just the one that's most suited to you. You'll learn in each episode what foods fall into each FODMAP category, how to tackle the rest of that category once a food reaction has been identified, and when should you retest, and how to proceed day to day. Welcome to episode 28. This one is all about fructose in my mini series of how FODMAPs affect you and what to do if you have had a reaction during your FODMAP reintroduction challenge. Now fructose is something that we think about with fruit quite a bit but we don't often think about the vegetables that are high in fructose as well and this can really really surprise people. I want to talk in this little section about how fructose will affect you in terms of your digestion and then like the other episodes I'll cover some foods that are high in fructose and what portions of those would be considered low FODMAP. Fructose absorption varies a lot between different people. Um, you might be interested to know that you don't actually absorb fructose particularly well. Nobody does, not just people with IBS. We only absorb fructose through a small transporter into the cells of our small intestines and it's called GLUT5. This is not a very efficient way to absorb nutrients and the transporter just gets overwhelmed so you end up with a lot of excess fructose unabsorbed in the small intestine. In healthy people, the tests have shown that people can manage around five grams of isolated fructose, so that's just fructose on its own, and they get malabsorption symptoms such as increased hydrogen gas production, and that might be accompanied by gas and bloating and you know the IBS symptoms that you're probably quite familiar with. However, what's really important to note is that we don't often eat fructose on its own. In most food products, including things like high fructose corn syrup and in nature, Fructose is rarely on its own and there are only a few foods where fructose is in a higher amount than glucose. The good thing about this is glucose almost, you can imagine it like holding the hand of fructose. Glucose is much better absorbed and when there is glucose also in your small intestine, we can use another transporter called GLUT2. This is like glucose taking the fructose, taking it into the cell, and then it can be used. And so we don't often get into a situation where there is more fructose than glucose. So this process is normally engaged, this GLUT2 transporter, getting the nutrients into our cell. There are some fruits and foods where fructose is higher, and these include mango and honey. And when I do my challenge with my gut reset clients, I ask them to trial mango ideally if they like it because the ratio of fructose to glucose is higher. So it's the free fructose content that most strongly influences your symptoms. So if you eat a meal with a lot of total fructose content, so if you were to eat a huge amount of mangoes or watermelon is another one that's got very high fructose content, this could be triggering 
your symptoms. What it does when we have a lot of fructose in the small intestine is it draws water into the small intestine through osmosis. So it's like a passive water just flows in. Um, and this leads to quicker moving of contents through into the large intestine. Undigested fructose molecules can then be fermented by our gut bacteria creating gas. And it's this extra liquid, extra gas that can result in your symptoms like abdominal pain, your bloating, and, you know, particularly we know people have got hypersensitivity in the gut when you've got IBS. So you're feeling much more sensitive to this increase in additional liquid and additional gas. In studies where people have been tested taking a fructose challenge and looking at the amount that was malabsorbed, around 40% of people had a reaction to fructose on its own, but this dropped to only 7% of people when glucose and fructose were in equal measures. What you might be interested to learn as well is that high fructose corn syrup, although it's called fructose corn syrup is actually almost the same portions of fructose to glucose. So that is one type of sweetener that you can sometimes see high fructose corn syrup in things like fizzy drinks, soda, and also sweets, stuff like that. Now you might see a natural sweetener, agave syrup, and think, oh, that's better. But actually that can be up to 70 or 80% fructose. So that is very high fructose, agave syrup. And although it's classed as a natural sweetener, you might think it sounds better. For people with IBS, can be very sensitive to it. So sometimes just plain old table sugar is better for you than other natural sweeteners. And as I mentioned, honey is slightly higher in fructose compared to glucose. So that also makes it a high FODMAP sweetener. Normal table sugar is 50% glucose and 50% fructose. So there really is not much difference in between high fructose corn syrup and table sugar. Let's talk about some of the other foods then that are high in fructose. If you've had a challenge from the FODMAP diet that has shown you may have a reaction to fructose, as with all the other challenges, you need to think about is there anything else that could have set it off? Maybe you're more stressed, you've had less sleep, more coffee, alcohol, something's happened that's upset your tummy, change medication perhaps. These can also play into it. So do keep that in mind every time you have a FODMAP reaction and you do the challenge process. Is there anything else that could be confusing these results? If you want to avoid high fructose foods, these are the other things that you need to think about. So artichokes, you might not think they are particularly sweet and high in fructose, but they are. You can keep them under 70 grams, which is a fairly good portion. Whereas things like asparagus and broad beans are very high in fructose and you can basically only have a couple of broad beans or fava beans, sometimes they call them, or asparagus, it's like half a spear. So there's really not much. I would just avoid them completely. Similar to the onions and garlic, there's not really any safe level if you've got to stay low FODMAP. The other vegetable that is high in fructose is the stalk of broccoli. And that is why I often say you can have broccoli, have the heads, but you can have only up to 50 grams of the stalks. So a good way to do this is to measure out the heads, cut them off. You can have like a whole portion of those, 80 grams. But then with the stalks, just make sure that portion is up to 50 grams. It's fine to have a low FODMAP portion. Then other foods like peppers and tomatoes are also high in fructose. 
and people don't often realize this, cherry tomatoes is only up to four you can have before it starts becoming a high FODMAP meal. But things like tin tomatoes, you can actually have quite a lot, um, up to 180 grams. So really you can be quite relaxed about having tin of tomatoes in a pasta sauce, something like that. Whereas fresh cherry tomatoes, you need to be much more careful if fructose is an issue for you. And the same with sun-dried tomatoes, because they're dried and concentrated, as with all dried fruits, it concentrates the sugar and makes them much higher FODMAP. Now, of course, we think about fructose and lots of fruits. So the things like that we need to be cautious of if fructose is an issue are grapes. You can only really have like five grapes <laughs> before it turns into a high FODMAP meal. Mango, as I mentioned, that is the one I like to use for a challenge. But other fruits you can have a good-ish portion of. So strawberries, raspberries, these you can have up to 70 grams before they tip into a high FODMAP meal. So it's worth including them in smaller amounts. So the very last thing to talk about is drinks and juice, fruit juices. These are very high in fructose and I don't recommend drinking fruit juice on a regular basis because of the high fructose content. It's not terribly good for your digestion if you have IBS. If you have constipation and you may want to try and draw more water in, a little bit of fruit juice every day can actually be beneficial. But if you're someone who gets a lot of loose stools, I would be super cautious with fruit juice. The same is with apple juice, that's much higher in sorbitol. But again, as you know, if you've listened to the sorbitol episode, you're going to draw a lot of water in and that is going to create more liquid and more urgency to need to have a bowel movement. The only other drink I wanted to mention is rum. This surprises people as well sometimes. So normally if you're looking for an alcoholic drink and you want to stay low FODMAP, spirits can be a good option. Spirits with some fizzy water and a little bit of cordial, that's sometimes a good option for a night out. But rum is actually high FODMAP. So do avoid rum if you're someone who drinks alcohol and you like to drink spirits. <laughs> If you've had a bad reaction to a high fructose meal, there is no need to stay away from those foods forever. If you need to stay at a low level of fructose in your diet, then stay within the portions of the food that I've mentioned. But I think you should try to tr keep on adding low portions. So for example, can you have three cherry tomatoes? Can you have a few strawberries and raspberries in your diet? to try and create low FODMAP portions of these different carbohydrates because they all have different nutrient profiles. They've got different antioxidants and supportive vitamins and minerals that are so helpful for our health. It's not just about the sugars. It's also all the other things that are in the food matrix, which we can't really replicate from a vitamin pill. Also, I suggest retrying another fructose challenge in around six months, as your tolerance can definitely change over time. One of the things that can affect your ability to absorb fructose is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. So if you get a hold on any overgrowth in your small intestine, you may be able to tolerate more foods in the future. So it's not a once and done, I can't eat fructose, that's me done. There's definitely room for changing the way that you digest your food and to eat a more broad and balanced diet if you work on your gut health, work on your overall lifestyle and healthy habits to feel better and hopefully you can eat more food in the future. <laughs> All right, I'll leave it there for fructose. Don't forget to listen to all the others in this mini series so you can understand all about FODMAPs and how they affect your digestion.